Hello, and welcome to this podcast of the Children's Trust Fund. I'm Mary Furness. Today, we're talking with Dr. Jeff Linkenbach. Dr. Linkenbach directs the Center for Health and Safety Culture at Montana State University. And we're discussing his research on child abuse and neglect prevention. We talked about the science of the positive, specifically how the science is constantly evolving, the science of, of dealing with at-risk groups and at-risk situations. Since the situations in these groups are constantly evolving, is there any one population that is most at risk? So when we think about science evolving and which population might be most at risk, that's going to be evolving as well. So. Instead of just giving an answer, let's focus here, what we'd have to do is take a look at what the the data are showing us. And what we know is that there's so much data that's starting to emerge in this area of child well-being, child maltreatment prevention. But it's it's narrowing down into not just looking at what... who is most at risk, which is one particular question. But what do we need to focus on growing to reduce risks across the population? And what we find when we look across the population is that there really are three protective factors that we're seeing through research through the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to to really focus on and, and grow. And that's to increase safe, stable, and nurturing relationships and environments for children and families. How do we do that? Um, what are the, uh, the, the ways that we can protect the families and nurture those families? But we who are outside those families, we who are in neighborhoods, we who are teachers, uh, we who come into contact with those children and with those families on a day-to-day basis, what can we do? This is a that's a great question, and I, and I love the way you're asking that too. Because what you're doing is you're moving us beyond staying stuck in what, as researchers, we often call the family bubble. And of course, children reside in families. They um, they, they reside in single parent families. They reside in families with grandparents. They reside in two parent families a whole myriad of of family structures. But what's important is to ask the very question that you just asked. What can we do beyond just the focus on the family? Um, What we see in research is we need to move across different layers of the system. So not just the individual and the family, but all of the other kinds of things that families touch on. So, for example, schools, um, um, youth sports, um, churches or or faith organizations, uh, workplaces, um, and and out into the the community and state level looking at policies. Um, We need to look at policies, for example, at the work site that allow for maternity leave and how um, and having cultures at work sites, for example, that are family friendly and let a parent go home if they have a sick child or work from home. We need to be looking at policies that reduce poverty. There's, so there's so many different layers, and it is across those layers that the solution lies.
you use the uh, the term that has almost become standard in our lexicon, it takes a village. And it does indeed, as many people will say, take a village. It takes a neighborhood. It takes a group of people. If we see something that we suspect may be abuse, and I use the, the we of neighborhoods, of towns, and yet we're not an authorized reporter, what does one do? I think that's a great question, and I think it's a, it's a very scary question for anybody. And, and in fact, a lot of times it's why we wouldn't ask a question like that, because, oh my gosh, what do I do with the answer? Um, one of the things that, that I'd recommend, and I, I think it's really at the heart of this, is this is one of the, the major functions that the, the Missouri Children's Trust Fund exists to promote. There are so many different types of resources in ways of reaching out for help and connecting and in, in this the state of Missouri. And so I really think, you know, starting with and going to the Missouri Children's Trust Fund website as, as a starting place, and then from there looking at um, some of the other resources where you could make that, that local contact. And indeed, that, that's what it will require is at some point talking to somebody and learning how to um, reach out for help. You brought up the five family strengths, uh, parental resilience, the ability to recover after stress, parental knowledge of child development and parenting, concrete support in times of need, social connection, and a child's abilities to form connections. What happens if one of those or some of those are missing? Again, great question. So if some of these protective factors or family strengths are missing, um, what we start to see is it, it's like a continuum where it could start to put that child at greater risk. Obviously, um, only having one of those as opposed to having all five strengths puts somebody at, at much greater risk. The thing is, when, when we talk about the science of prevention, we often say tongue-in-cheek, it's not rocket science, it's much, much harder. You know, we know how to engineer and put astronauts out into space and on the moon. We're not able to predict every time and with the accuracy we'd like what's going to happen with children, but when they're involved in those risky situations or when those protective factors are absent. But here is what we do know and where the science is continuing to emerge. What we do know is that the more adverse um, toxic um, stressors that a child experiences in his or her environment, the greater likelihood they are to be starting to show problems, not just as children, but then later on as adults. The, what we're seeing is we need to find ways to reduce that toxic stress because it's the toxic stress that actually starts to shift the very brain architecture. The, the child's brain starts to structurally change and then that puts them at greater risk throughout their lives. One last question, if you see that, that toxicity that toxic stress as an adolescent, if you see a, a 14 or 15 year old exhibiting those signs, um, 
getting into drugs possibly or showing those those signs what does does one do maybe as an observer as someone who is uh, a, a parent who sees maybe their their own child's friend acting that way is there something that can be done yeah I think that's the heart of all of this is, is really wanting to reach out connect and to care I come back to the the very simple process that, that we work with which is spirit first then science to lead action. And so spirit first is a spirit of caring and expressing that care, expressing that connection. If it's, a, if it's one of our own children, we need to start from that, that place of, of, of care and grounding. If it's somebody else's child, um, we need to maybe connect with that parent or someone else they know. But it has to be that spirit of connection and care first. Then it moves to the science or what thinking about what to do. Um, there's a lot of information out there, but I think what's most important is for us to, to reach out for help with, with that science, for someone to, to guide us. That could be um, somebody through, through social services. It could be somebody through, um, again, the church or faith community or the school counselors, um, but somehow reaching out to someone. Then that is basically the action that we need to take and then they can help guide with some of the next actions. But I think what's most important is to, to connect and then to do something by reaching out and realizing none of us can do this alone. It really does take a village. Thank you so much. On our podcast today, we've been talking with Dr. Jeff Lincolnbach, Director of the Center for Health and Safety Culture at Montana State University. I'm Mary Furness for the Children's Trust Fund.